Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, January 13th, and we start with local news. Following its regularly scheduled meeting earlier this month, the Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen discussed a pair of projects the board could take action on in the near future, including a request for tax abatements or incentives for the project at the crossings. City Administrator Pam Kasky laid out the development's plans for public infrastructure improvements and gave rough estimates to the board on what could be expected from a tax increment financing agreement, or TIF. The cost of that road network and the appropriate ground development, grading, geo work, and all of that is $24 million, she said. The utility network, that is, again, part of our long-range utility plan, including the connection under Saturn Parkway to tie into the water line to give us continuity that we need for overall city delivery, that's $8.1 million, she said. In order to serve the USTA, the U.S. Tennis Association, we have the parking structure, which we've said from the beginning would be a public-private partnership. That's $24 million, she said. The city would give a break of just over $42 million to the development, but Kasky estimated the 20-year return would be nearly $20 million to the positive based on estimations of sales tax impact. They're building the road network that is a backbone of a road network we need to build, It extends Crossings Boulevard out to Kedron, Kasky said. It's a well-designed infrastructure project. This is the road that supports the city's overall functionality. A resolution to allow the city's newly formed Industrial Development Board to study the benefits of such a plan is set to come before the Board of Mayor and Aldermen at its next meeting. But several board members were concerned about their next encounter with the project. With the help of Alderman Matt Fitterer, who located the proper statute, Kasky informed the board it would see the project before them again ahead of any tax incentive agreements. We're not approving anything other than letting the Industrial Development Board get started on the work, Fitterer said. Additionally, Kasky informed the board the city would be undergoing a pay study over the next several months to determine the scale the city would need to maintain in order to recruit and retain city employees. This is necessary. We're out of whack with our surrounding communities, she said. It makes hiring not only the best people possible difficult, it makes hiring anybody difficult. In 2021, the city implemented a 6% raise for employees, which Kasky said was well-received, but still didn't match surrounding municipalities, some of whom gave up to 10% raises. Another reason for the quick turnaround is the timing of the last study. Part of the issue with last time is you'd is you did the study in 19, but didn't adopt it until 21. Lots of things changed during that time, so it was out of whack before it even got implemented, Kasky said. You put all that together, and we are definitely in the need to come back to the table and see what we can do to attract good, quality people to our city, she said. Alderman Hazel Nieves questioned the length of the study, four to five months, and noted the board could find itself in the same situation it was in with the last study, not being able to implement a raise for 18 months or more. The reasons, according to Kasky and representatives of the consultant, are the time it takes to interview employees and compare those job duties with comparable titles of surrounding communities, but also because most other comparable municipalities are also completing similar studies. The city hopes to implement the raises with the new fiscal year beginning in July. 
Following the passing of the third grade retention law in 2021, which will take effect this year, some lawmakers are now pushing to enact a first grade age requirement. Representative Scott Sapicki said he plans to file new legislation setting a first grade minimum age requirement at seven years old. If a student is not yet seven, they would have to pass a local assessment to show that they are on track. Current state law requires children to be at least five years old before enrolling in kindergarten, while other law allows children close to their birthday to enroll early if deemed appropriate. If we're willing to retain them in third grade after they've spent three years in the system and they're showing that they're behind, why won't we retain them in kindergarten and get them on track in the beginning, Sipiki asked. Sipiki referred to a report from the comptroller, which found that students who were older at kindergarten enrolled Enrollment performed better on third-grade literacy tests than their younger peers. Based on an analysis of student-level data obtained from the Tennessee Department of Education, OREA found that Tennessee students who were older at kindergarten enrollment performed better on third-grade literacy tests than their peers, the brief states. The data also found that 42% of kindergarten students aged 6 to 7 were on I'm sorry, six to six and a half were on or above grade level in third grade literacy, compared to 33% of younger students aged four and a half to five years old. This trend of older students outperforming their younger peers continued past third grade, as measured by students' later performance on sixth grade literacy tests, the brief read. The bill, which has yet to be filed, will also suggest expanding summer school and tutoring. If a student comes in Early in kindergarten and needs more help, a teacher can recommend summer school to do better on the test and move on, Sapicki said. Sapicki added that the details of the bill are still being worked out. This may be a bill where we need to have further discussion over the summer and bring it back next year, he said. Once the bill is filed, it will go to the General Assembly for the next steps. We've got to draw a line in the sand because we can't keep moving these kids forward failing, Sapicki said. We have to make sure what we're doing early sets the kids up for success, he said. Legal Aid Society of Middle Tennessee and the Cumberlands, Tennessee's largest nonprofit law firm, announced the opening of its relocated Columbia office at 1503 Hatcher Lane, Suite 105. The Columbia office's attorneys and legal services will continue unchanged in the new location, though additional staff may be joining in the near future. Previously, the office had been located at 1121 Trotwood Avenue, Suite 4. Legal Aid Society is proud to have been part of the Columbia community for more than 40 years, said Patricia Jones, lead attorney of the Columbia office. In this new location, which is just a short drive away from our old offices, we will continue providing needed free legal services to low-income residents of Columbia and the surrounding area, she said. Legal Aid Society of Middle Tennessee and the Cumberlands advocates for fairness and justice under the law. The nonprofit law firm offers free civil legal representation and educational programs to help people in its region receive justice, protect their well-being, and support communities to over, opportunities rather to overcome pro, uh, poverty. It serves 48 counties from offices in Clarksville, Columbia, Cookville, Gallatin, Murfreesboro, Nashville, Oak Ridge, and Tullahoma. Legal Aid Society is funded in part by United Way. Learn more at www.las.org or by following the firm on Facebook. 
Polish your shiniest apples, Murray County. It's the time of year again to select the best of the best in Murray County public school teaching, resulting in the recognition of 29 different teachers from 22 different schools. Of those standout teachers from each school, three have been selected as teachers of the year in elementary, middle, and high school. All of this leads up to a Teacher of the Year banquet on January 19th at Central High School when the district-wide Teacher of the Year will be announced. We have honored all of the teachers on our website and social media, Ventura said. We also have the banquet so the chosen teachers may bring their families. Every school honors them a little bit differently with their own recognitions as well, she said. Some will give the teachers bouquets of flowers or gift baskets. To determine initial candidates at the school level, Ventura said principals are asked to look at academic achievements, attendance, and relationships with children. In a sense, Ventura said top teacher honors, whether by school, county, or state, can almost be considered a resiliency award in meeting goals, making strides, and or overcoming adversity. Sometimes there is that element of adversity, Ventura said. While that's not required, I think every school at some point has given the award award to someone who was resilient and overcame some adversity. The award itself is the result of a peer-chosen process in which teachers for each school vote to determine who stood above the rest for a particular year. To me, that makes it mean more, Ventura said. When your colleagues step up for you and say you're doing a great job, that's something special, she said. Principals of the year are also determined by peers in the same way. The district is now accepting nominations for that designation. Ventura, a former teacher who herself is one teacher of the year, says the peer recognition factor is huge for chosen teachers to have. Ventura was a teacher at West Hills Elementary School in Marshall County in the early 2000s when she won the award after working on countywide programs with Central Office. It made me feel accepted and respected by the faculty, Ventura said. Finalists will be announced at the Teacher of the Year Awards Banquet at 6 p.m. on January 19th at Central High School. All finalists have the option of applying for State Teacher of the Year through a rigorous application process. The state application is due at the end of February, and the state's best teacher is chosen at the end of the school year. In the elementary school category, Linda Padrone of Randolph Howell Elementary STEM School has been selected. For middle school, Beth Marks of Hampshire Unit School. For high school, Emily Fowler of Kalioka Unit School. For the Murray County Public School Academies, Elena Parizo of Northfield Academy was chosen. Columbia State Community College will host virtual freshman and dual enrollment information sessions through the month of May. These information sessions are a great opportunity for incoming and prospective students to learn about the benefits of attending Columbia State regarding scholarships, degree pathways, and transferability, said Samuel Day, Columbia State Enrollment Recruiter. Dual enrollment is also discussed in depth and is an amazing opportunity for high school students to earn college credit before formally entering higher education, he said. The information sessions are designed for high school juniors and seniors and parents and guardians interested in learning more about dual enrollment classes or attending Columbia State. The information session will cover the dual enrollment grant, which provides high school students the opportunity to take up to five dual enrollment classes tuition-free. In addition, participants can learn more about Tennessee Promise, which allows graduating high school and homeschool seniors the opportunity to earn a degree or certificate from the community or technical college tuition-free. The next information session will take place on January 24th from 6 to 7 p.m. More information 
For more information, contact Samuel Day at 615-790-4409 or by email at sday3 at columbiastate.edu. With the start of a new year, Murray Regional Health is offering numerous support groups to assist the southern Middle Tennessee region on an encouraging note. The support groups are offered free of charge for all who wish to participate. Support groups allow participants to meet other individuals with similar life experiences and to share their personal feelings and coping strategies, while also hearing from medical professionals and guest speakers. They are informal opportunities to talk and to listen. Murray Regional Health is committed to providing for the health care needs of our community, said Dr. Martin Cheney, Murray Regional Health CEO. This commitment goes beyond the point of care and extends to educational, social, and emotional resources provided by our support groups. We have a skilled team of support group facilitators with a wealth of knowledge to help navigate the challenges of a variety of conditions and circumstances, he said. Murray Regional Health support groups are specific to breast cancer, cancer, diabetes, both adult and geriatric, grief, mental health, and stroke. Sessions of each support group will take place on a monthly or quarterly basis throughout the new year. The Breast Cancer Support Group is joined by guest speakers and medical professionals to discuss a variety of topics such as breast cancer treatment, hormone therapies, and available support services. The group connects breast cancer survivors and newly diagnosed individuals, as well as their loved ones. Meetings take place on the third Monday of each month at 5.30 p.m. at the Murray Regional Women's Center, which is located in the pavilion on the Murray Regional Medical Center campus. Please note that there are no meetings in July or August for the Breast Cancer Support Group. For the Cancer Support Group, they bring together those who have been impacted by cancer, including those who have been newly diagnosed or who are undergoing treatment, and those who are survivors. Family members and friends are also invited to attend. During the meetings, attendees discuss the challenges, frustrations, fears, and feelings associated with cancer. Meetings are held the second Tuesday of each month at 5 p.m. in the Cancer Center Resource Room. The Diabetes Education Group focuses on a wide variety of topics relevant to individuals with diabetes, such as controlling blood sugar, the impact of diabetes on the vascular system, healthy eating, and much more. The meeting is open to those with diabetes and their family members. Meetings are held on the first Thursday of each month at 11 a.m. at the Murray Regional Annex. Pediatric Diabetes Support Group is here to support those who are having questions and concerns when navigating the new diagnosis. If you or someone you know is helping support a child who is diabetic, they invite you to come. Meetings are held on the third Tuesday of each month at 5.30 p.m. in the Murray Regional Annex. The Grief Support Group at Murray Regional Health aims to help those dealing with grief find healthy ways to cope with their pain. Understanding losing a loved one brings on a multitude of emotions, and they are here to support. The groups meet at on the third Thursday of each month at the Murray Regional Medical Center Auxiliary Conference Room. Beyond Tomorrow is a monthly guidance group for those ages 65 and older experiencing symptoms of depression and anxiety. Meetings are facilitated by counselors and therapists with the Senior Life Solutions Program at Marshall Medical Center. Meetings take place on the second Tuesday of each month at 2.30 p.m. at the Lewisburg Recreational Center, located at 1551 Mooresville Highway in Lewisburg. 
The Stroke Support Group is for those who have survived a stroke, as well as their families, caregivers, and friends. It is a time of fellowship with other survivors and caregivers going through similar circumstances. It is an opportunity to learn about resources and to be with a group of people who understand. Meetings take place on the fourth Thursday of each month at 6 p.m. in the Murray Regional Annex. Visit Murray Regional Health's classes and events calendar for additional information about dates, times, and locations by visiting www.murrayregional.com forward slash classes dash and dash events. Join Murray Alliance on Tuesday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. for their annual education lunch, how CTE programs and community partnerships are preparing tomorrow's workforce in Murray County. During this year's event, Murray Alliance President Will Evans will lead a panel discussion with representatives from Murray County Public Schools and Columbia State Community College. They will discuss career and technical education, or CTE, programs, existing partnerships between our public school system, Columbia State, and local industries, future growth opportunities, and more. Panelists include Dr. Janet Smith, President of Columbia State Community College, Lisa Ventura, Murray County Superintendent of Schools, Keith Stacy, Assistant Superintendent of Instruction, Amy Roberts, Murray County Public Schools CTE Supervisor, Terry Thornton, the Murray County Public Schools CTE Workforce Development Career Coach, Melody Murphy, Director of Workforce and Continuing Education at Columbia State, and Marin Mostagir, Director of Engineering Systems Technology at Columbia State. For more information about the program, visit www.murrayalliance.com. Have you always wanted to quit nicotine but never found something that works for you? Murray Regional Health is offering a free four-class series to help. The nicotine cessation classes will meet on four Tuesdays in the new year, on January 17th, January 24th, January 31st, and February 7th. Each class begins at 6 p.m. and will be held at Murray Regional Medical Center. The classes will meet in the private dining room area near the cafeteria. Sharon Dobbins, a respiratory therapist and former smoker, will lead the sessions. Quitting cigarettes, vaping products, and smokeless tobacco may be the single most important thing a person can do to improve their health, said Dobbins. As a former smoker, I can personally relate to the challenges that come with trying to stop using tobacco products and encourage those who are trying to quit joining this supportive trying to quit to join this supportive group session. According to the CDC, cigarette smoking causes more than 480,000 deaths each year in the United States. This is nearly one in five deaths. The article then states, even people who smoke fewer than five cigarettes a day can have early signs of cardiovascular disease. Smoking classes diminished overall health, increased absenteeism from work, and increased health care utilization and cost. Regardless of your nicotine choice, Murray Regional Health wants to help you on your journey to quitting. Advanced registration for the nicotine cessation program is requested so that course materials can be prepared. To register, visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash classes dash and dash events or call 931-840-4446. And now your hometown memorials sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Deborah Dean Fitzgerald, 65, an employee of Haller Insurance Company and a resident of Columbia, died Sunday, January 8th at Murray Regional Medical Center. No services are scheduled at this time for Mrs. Fitzgerald. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. 
Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell. When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy, we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy weather with a few flurries or snow showers possible today. Temperatures will remain steady in the mid to upper 30s. Winds will be out of the northwest at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect more clouds, then partly cloudy after midnight. The low will be 27 degrees with winds out of the north-northwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. For your holiday weekend forecast, we can expect partly cloudy skies with intermittent sun. Temps will be from the mid-40s on Saturday to the mid-50s on Sunday. Overnight lows will follow suit, warming up a bit from the mid-20s on Saturday night to the mid-30s on Sunday. We'll see some rain moving in by Monday. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group. 
Land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, friends. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Tennessee has lots of buried pipelines, so it's important to know the signs of a leak, like if you smell unusual odors or hear hissing, see bubbling earth or water, or dead or dying vegetation. Some signs are even harder to miss, like dirt being blown into the air, a frost ball in an open field, or a flame coming from the ground. If you see any of these signs, don't wait. Leave the area immediately and call 911 or your pipeline company. For more tips on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Here we go. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Democratic lawmakers are renewing efforts to legalize marijuana in Tennessee as top Republicans reiterated their opposition to full legalization under the federal government until the federal government reclassifies the drug. State Representative Bob Freeman, a Democrat from Nashville, and Senator Heidi Campbell, another Democrat from Nashville, are re-upping their bill called the Free All Cannabis for Tennesseans Act, which would legalize the recreational use of marijuana and provide a process for it to be grown and sold. We're already seeing that many states have legalized cannabis, Campbell said. We're in a situation where we are missing out on that profit because people are going to others, she said. The bill would allow adults to purchase up to 60 grams of marijuana. It's nearly identical to a free to a bill Freeman and Campbell previously sponsored. Last year's legislation estimated that legalizing cannabis with a 15% additional tax would generate over $380 million in tax revenue for state and local governments. This is something my constituents ask me about all the time, Freeman said. These aren't just millennials, but baby boomers who are getting older and don't want to take heavy narcotics to treat their aches and pains. I wanted to run a full legalization bill so we could begin a conversation about what that would look like, he said. Tennessee is one of 11 states that hasn't legalized the product, decriminalized it, or provided a widely accessible medical marijuana system. Other CBD products like Delta-8 and Delta-9 are allowed in Tennessee, but operate in a more of a gray area. Last year, lawmakers failed to pass a bill to regulate these gray area products, allowing them to be sold with fewer restrictions. Last year, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally said the Delta-8 industry was on notice. McNally and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations are two of the biggest impediments to the legalization of marijuana or Delta-8 for recreational or medical uses. Lawmakers have until the end of the month to file legislation where expectations are more bills will be filed related to marijuana and Delta-8 legalization. 
Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. While many consider Friday the 13th an unlucky day, it has been rewarding for Mega Millions players over the years with six previous jackpots won on such a day. There's a chance for another tonight, and it's a big one. After no ticket matched all six numbers drawn on Tuesday night, a gigantic prize of $1.35 billion is expected for tonight, Friday the 13th drawing. If won at that amount, it would be the second largest jackpot in Mega Millions history. The jackpot is rolled again, keeping everyone who follows Mega Millions in suspense for yet another drawing, said Ohio Lottery Director Pat McDonald, lead director of the Mega Millions Consortium. Now at $1.35 billion, a Mega Millions jackpot is moving up and making history as the second highest Mega Millions jackpot ever, he said. The only Mega Millions jackpot larger than tonight's estimated prize is the game record at $1.537 billion won in South Carolina in 2018. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks.